war. Lie him down, cause we stronger now. My people's the time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. There's nothing else in the world. All I need is one mic. That's all a nigga need to do his thing, you know? All I need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath, or one. What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua, and welcome to Spoken Word. Uh, we're on the Live Mono Network right now, and thank you so much for your support. Today's spoken word is judgment. Now, I want to preference this by saying we will have a judge. We will absolutely have a judge, but are we the ones to do it? That's the question. And I see a lot of stuff. Uh, I see the memes. I see the different verses that imply that we are to judge each other. I've also seen the verses that imply we are absolutely not supposed to. And we're going to get into exactly what the Bible says, whether the verses, you know, they, they coincide and work together, they conflict, whatever it may be. There's a lot of that that happens from time to time when you read the Bible. You read one verse and you read another, and it looks like they're in direct confrontation. I want to make this very clear. I am not a biblical historian. I don't have a Bible degree. I don't have a degree at all. I partied my way through college. I lived a very reckless life, a very destructive life. And um, and while I'm not qualified to be a preacher or a pastor, I love the Lord. And uh, I owe everything, everything that I have in my life right now, I owe it to the Lord. And, and yeah, I, I, well, with the exception of the consequences for my actions, but here's the thing, even with that, because of the Lord, because of Jesus, I get to use all of my past evil, my past mistakes, my struggles, my sin, all of that old garbage, I now get to use, God gets to use in a way that has given me purpose. I am not perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm the furthest thing from perfect. But I love Jesus. And I owe everything that I have to my relationship with the Lord. One reason why this word matters to me is because while I see other people judge each other and we judge on fashion, we judge for trophies, we judge, we judge in a lot of different ways. But the way that I see it causing the most harm is amongst us believers. And I, as much as I try not to be divisive, I mean, I am called the world's mayor, <laughs> but I got to tell you, and in my whole ambition in life, is to elevate people into their purpose, to help them to be that missing piece that helps them go live the life that God created them to live. That's what we do with our nonprofit organization. That's what we aim to do with our broadcast. We, we try to have the conversations that other people won't have, especially the church, because a lot of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, I'm going to include my wife in this, have felt like we are the on the outside looking in when it comes to the church, yet our heart 
is for God. We live our lives in service to other people. We don't, that's, that's how we've chosen to live. We've chosen to live with an obedience to what we've read in the word of God, especially about the end times, which I believe that we're in. And I'm sure there, I mean, I know that there's probably been other versions of the end times. There's been ends, ends of civilizations. Obviously, it's not the first time that, uh, <laughs> that man has been wiped out or has been told that they're going to be wiped out. Noah and the Ark. Hence, the digital Noah's Ark. <laughs> but it's the infighting amongst believers that, to me, has done more harm to bringing people to Christ than anything. And I want to make it clear, I am not using this to attack anyone. Because you know what? I judge judgmental people. Which makes me judgmental. It's really, really easy to point the finger and go, ah, the judgmental, and whatever we say. <laughs> Isn't that judging too? And I'm working on this. So, to be clear, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know every version of the Bible. Don't have many Bible verses memorized. I'm getting better about this. Of course, which translation, that's all. <laughs> that's another conversation about judgment, probably. But I genuinely want to know what God says about it. And... What I do with these broadcasts, I don't study for weeks at a time. I literally wait for God to say, here's the word. This is the word for spoken word. Injustice, witchcraft, discernment. Well, dear Madison was two words. But <laughs> and now this one is judgment. So what does the Bible say? We're about to find out. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to broadcast, and to learn along with the audience. Uh, I, that, I, I, want, I want to know what the Bible says. And yeah, I've read different things, but what does it look like all packaged together, verse after verse after verse, on the specific issue of judgment? So Father, I ask that you give me the words to say, Holy Spirit, please flow through me. And I do not ever want to do anything or say anything that is against you, your will, your purposes, anything. I just want to serve you and serve you faithfully, but also ask questions and learn along with everybody else. I love you. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name. Okay. So yesterday had, yesterday, and I try not to timestamp these broadcasts, but sometimes it happens. Timestamp meaning I'm saying yesterday I did an interview with a few different names, uh, drag artist Billy, Kitty Demure, Hagatha, an amazing human being, one of the most special and powerful broadcasts that I've ever been a part of. I, I, it's, it was special to me. And I encourage you to watch it. In fact, I almost wish I would have done this broadcast first and then the interview, but this is how it worked out. And I'm sure it's part of God's plan because how I got the word was judgment because I've seen judgment. Got into it today uh, with a friend on Twitter uh, that is a Muslim. And I've got no issue with anyone and their religions and their beliefs, except for this. 
Any religion that encourages hatred towards another, I want no part of. And while some Muslims would say that there's not, you know, this is not a religion of hate, the things that were told to me by this Muslim today were, well, God hates sinners and, until, and, and so I hate them too. That was what he said in response to the broadcast I did. And I thought, how doomed are we all if this is how we live our life? Where we can hate another? Because I, I'm thinking to myself, well, if the whole idea is to bring people, and with Muslims, I guess it would be bring them to Allah, which is God, or just another name for God. God has many names. And this is where the difference of, you know, being a follower of Jesus and a Muslim would be, I would imagine. But in my thinking, let's take Jesus aside for a second, and he not like here, well, Jesus is here. <laughs> not putting him behind me. Right here. But let's just talk about God for a second, the way that Muslims see him. If I was wanting somebody to come and accept God, and I don't know exactly how that works with Muslims. Do they just accept God and follow God and his commandments? Okay. Um, is this, is this, but if I'm wanting to attract somebody to God so that they're not an infidel or somebody that is against my religion, how psychologically, how is it possible that we can show hatred towards someone else and expect to not get it back? How is that possible? I understand fully, more and more every day, I'm getting a more fullness to this, of why Jesus wants us to turn our cheek, why he wants us to love our enemies. Talk about a psychological mind said the word mind beep um love your enemies and and pray for your enemies because what if that enemy by being shown love other than the fact that it's probably going to drive him crazy i would imagine that from an energy exchange standpoint that love is going to drown out hate Love is more inviting than hate. Not much you can do with hate except fuel more hate. But with love, love can heal. And love, like truth, has progressions. Healing has progressions. Love does that. It heals you in increments. You learn to love. I, I think about this all the time, and I shared this in the broadcast uh, with Kitty. I shared this yesterday that when I first gave my life to the Lord, I said in the broadcast that I didn't know God loved me. That's not necessarily true. I knew he loved me, but I didn't, wasn't able to wrap my head around it. And I didn't believe he really loved all of me. I didn't believe that he loved, I, I know he doesn't like my sin, but I didn't accept that he loved me. I accepted Jesus into my heart. I was battling myself, hating myself, and struggling for the first few years walking with the Lord. It took understanding and hearing 
And I know I had heard it before, but for me to change my own self-hatred, I had to accept that Jesus, that God, loved me exactly the way I am. That is not to say that he wanted me to continue to live in sin. That's not to say that he wanted me to still be the way that I was, but he loved me exactly the way I was. And if he didn't love me the way I was, then why did he send his son? Because to sacrifice something that you love and something that you created, to sacrifice that must mean there's a bigger picture and a bigger purpose to why I exist in the first place, why you exist in the first place. So he's going to sacrifice his son. He's going to die for my gross evil sin and my gross evil ways. He's going to do that. Why? Because he loves me. I didn't even wrap my head around that. It took two years. And coincidentally, learning to love myself, I'm sorry, learning that God loved me the way I was, helped me learn to love myself. And I'm not talking about in a hippie, whatever kind of way. I'm talking about a genuine love where I was able to make loving decisions for myself. In other words, I don't need to go look at all that. I don't need to go tempt myself with snorting or shooting that. I don't need to be angry and pissed off all the time. There was a lot of things. I started to make loving choices. I don't need to go get on the sex app and waste hours of my life looking and hunting for sex. I don't need to eat that horrible food. And I struggle with food, I'll admit. I also struggle with temptation. I don't act on it the way I used to, but I still struggle with it. But the fact is, because I've learned to love myself, because I accepted that God loved me, I started making better choices for myself because I love myself enough to not want those consequences. All that is is obedience. There's obedience to the call of being obedient to the spirit inside of you that's telling you to go or no, don't go. Turning you to turn your head and walk away. Turning the other cheek. Lots of examples of this. This Anyway, this broadcast is not about love. But when we get into judgment, I can't help but to think about love. Anyway, we're going to get into that more as we go on. So I'm going to read exactly what the Bible says. Um, there's 66 verse. How many verses are there? Let's see. I think there's 66 Bible verses about judgment. 66. Whew, that's a lot. So here's one of those examples that I don't fully understand what it means. So we'll just start out the gate with this. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Maybe that's just judge within our own household. Again, not a biblical scholar. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what would be the outcome for those who don't obey the gospel of God? I know for a fact that we should be held to a high, higher standard as believers. Heck, any religion, for that matter, if you follow any religion, you should 
hold yourself to a higher standard. And just because you accept Jesus like I have, for those of you that have, that and you've been forgiven of your sin, that's not a license to go out and sin. It's not. Because if you were truly saved, your heart will change. You will make different decisions for yourself. You will showcase the fruits of the Spirit. So I should be, I should be held to a higher standard. Judged? I don't know. Is there a difference? Maybe. I don't know. Something to consider. And you biblical scholars out there, help me out if you can. <laughs> Go to the next one. James 4.12. Love the book of James. There is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? To me, that's plain as English. Well, maybe if you don't speak English, that wouldn't be very plain. <laughs> I barely speak English, so I'm not being judgmental by saying that. Yeesh. Okay. James 3.1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. I gotta tell you, maybe I should stop prefacing these broadcasts by saying I'm not a pastor and I'm not a biblical scholar, because I think what that is, I think that's like a pre pre-defense for pre-judgment. Because I know I'm not gonna get it right perfectly. <laughs> I know. Like the first verse I read, there's a prime example. Like, I don't know what all that means. I'm sure there's layers to it. And then you read the different versions of the Bible. It's probably going to say something completely different, but we don't have time for all that. Hebrews 9.27. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after, come, after this comes judgment. So inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once. Don't we die twice? Don't we die when we give our lives to Christ? So this is what I don't understand. This is Hebrews. And after we are judged. So to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like save the judgment till I'm dead. <laughs> Let's look at the final body of the final, the complete body of work, and then we're going to judge. That's what it kind of means to me. I mean, how many things do we take out of context? And then we judge it. I can't tell you how many times, how many emails and how many comments that I get on my videos from people that don't watch. And I purposely, the way that I describe every broadcast, whether it's a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund or even spoken word by Joshua T. Berglund, I purposely set it up this way where it's just black and white. And I do it because I don't want people to assume what something's about, yet they assume. They assume and they judge before even watching, so they don't know the context. That happened with Kitty. It happened with Faith. It's happened, it happened with witchcraft. It happened with, oh, I, I could just go on and on and on 
and on about the different broadcasts where people didn't watch, but they had a lot to say about it. Based off of what? The description? The description, it was very generic, very black and white questions. No answers to the questions, just questions. People assume. To me, prejudging is about as bad as judging. 1 Corinthians 6.2 Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Okay, what does that mean? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? So I'm assuming saints, boy, I don't act like a saint sometimes. Are we saints though? Because we've given our life to Christ. So I'll judge the world. You'll judge the world. And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? I don't understand that last part. I don't understand it. But in this verse, it sounds like we are to judge the world as saints. But if we're judging, this is what I don't understand. If we're judging, no one likes to be judged, especially by somebody that isn't perfect especially by somebody that's got their own hidden sin going on. No one wants to be judged by them. No one wants to be judged at all. It's bad enough knowing that we're going to be judged by God, our creator. Thank God for Jesus, or I'd be doomed, and so would you. I'd like for someone to explain that one to me. That's one of those I want to mark that I want to read more about. Romans 2, 3. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? This is like gaslighting. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? This is like blaming other people for what you're doing. I mean, it's not really the same. That's not true. But it feels like gaslighting when I read this. But it is. Like, when we're judging, it's like, hey, no, it is gaslighting. Don't look at my sin. Let's look at yours. Let's, let's look at yours. Don't look at my sin. Look at yours. Second Peter 3, 7. But his word, the present heavens and earth, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. <laughs> we are going to be judged by God. There is no doubt. And while he may not flood the earth again with water, Ah, uh, there's going to be a flood of fire. <clears throat> and there is going to be the destruction of ungodly men. But here's the thing, and I, this is a little bit off topic. I also believe in the same part. This is where we as believers, as the obedient ones, 
I shouldn't say that because I'm not obedient 100% of the time. I'm hard-headed. I sometimes think I can do it all on my own, which isn't true. By his word, I believe that in this time, in this verse, I believe that we are going to experience God's spirit unlike never before. I mean, I kind of, and this could, this is, there's no fact behind this, but I like to believe that the superhero movies that we see, even though there's some occult stuff in it, I also think it's a bit foreshadowing for the end. And I think that for us as believers, that those who receive the Holy Spirit, I believe that we are going to experience our own superhero experience. Because if God's spirit is going to drop down on us like never before, and God said that we would do greater works than even he, makes me think. Because we have some pretty supernatural, amazing gifts already. So what will happen when God's spirit really drops down? Just a thought. For judgment will be mercy. To one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Woo! James 2.13. We give people grace. That's the word I keep hearing. Grace, grace, more grace, more grace, more grace. Huh. 1 Corinthians 11.31, but if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. What? What does that mean? If we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Oh, does this mean that we help, hold ourselves accountable for our actions? So in other words, when I sin, when I'm disobedient, if I judge myself and correct myself, allow the Spirit, allow God to correct me, and I correct course, that's giving myself mercy and then allowing myself to be forgiven, right? I think that's right. <laughs> if we judge ourselves rightly, we'd not be judged. Huh. Matthew 7.1. 7, Matthew 7.1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Again, how does this, I mean, this is a very basic verse, a simple verse, but it's pretty plain. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Well, what happens when you judge other people, especially vocally? It's bad. It's one thing to do it in private, which is kind of gossipy. But when you judge somebody, like when you're, they're on Facebook or they're on Twitter or they're, and you're judging their posts or you're judging their actions because maybe they lost their temper and said something they didn't mean. Have you never lost your temper? And then we start judging at them and we make them feel worse. We're not encouraging them to correct their, their actions. We're not encouraging anything except for more angst, more anxiety, depression, Anger, rage. I 
I, it just makes me think of Jesus at the well with a woman. Who, by the way, sounded like she was a whore like I was. What did Jesus say? What was his actions towards her? Did he call her a dirty whore? Did he call her a slut? What did he say? So who the heck are we to be any different towards anyone else? We're talking about the perfect one. The perfect one. Didn't call her a whore. Didn't call her names at all. Just a thought. Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you that every careless word that they speak, they shall be hunting for it in the day of judgment. Boy, I got a lot of F words and F U's and C words and every other name under the book that I've called people. All the mean things that I've done. Not just careless words, careless actions. Not being in control of my own behavior and going out and cheating. Not, not with my wife now, but I was all the things before. Even giving my life to the Lord. I will be held accountable for that. And even though my sin has been washed away, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be held accountable. I'm held accountable for things I did six years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago. Holds my oldest daughter, 21. I'm held accountable for things I did 21 years ago. There's consequences for all of our actions. There's consequences for perceived good things. I use this example a lot, but if you, I just go, okay, well, here's a million dollars. If you've never had that kind of money before, the most your bank account's ever seen is a couple thousand and someone goes, here's a million dollars for you, you're probably going to turn into an a-hole with money. Especially if you don't know what being a good steward is. I mean, <laughs> there's consequences for everything. Or how do you handle all of a sudden when people find out that you have a million dollars? They're going to treat you different. They're going to ask you for some of your money. Hey, can you loan me some money that you're never going to see back? John 12, 31. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. That's Satan. Let me cast out. I got to tell you, sometimes I read verses and I'm like, yep, we live in hell. We pretty much live in hell. It's probably another reason why we should give ourselves some grace. I'm not saying bathe in sin, but if we live in hell, that means we got demonic influences all over us. So, I mean, we really have to have our spiritual armor on. We really need to live in obedience. Why? Well, because first of all, sin is death. Sin seems fun 
until it's not. Like I'm, I'm blown away by the people that, you know, that can really sin consistently and seem like they're getting away with it. I, man, I got to tell you, every time I thought I was getting away with something, I wasn't getting away with it. And here's another proof. Even if you don't experience as con- experience consequences right away for your sin and for your actions, <laughs> the consequences are sneaky and how they pop up in your life. Sometimes it's a physical ailment. Sometimes it's something severe like cancer or HIV. Sometimes it's losing your family. Sometimes it's losing your sanity. Sometimes it's worse than even that. Psalms 149.9 To execute on them the judgment written. This is an hour. No, I'm sorry. Let me start over. To execute on them the judgment written. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to keep it real. Let me do a couple more. Luke 6.37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, or you will be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. John 16.11. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Probably need more context to that. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. This is where I want to stop. I'm going to read it one more time, though. Matthew 7, 2. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standards of measure, it will be measured to you. Man, that that has what they, I think they call it, meat. It has some meat to it. (sighs) What you put out into the world is what you get back. That's why I've, I've always had a weird thing with karma. Like, I've never seen in the Bible where it says karma is, like, evil or satanic. Because to me, all karma is, is do unto others (laughs) that you would have them do unto you. What you give, you give back. That's why tithing and giving and serving is so much fun. One... Well, it's one of the reasons why it's so much fun, and here's why. is because I'm giving something, but it gives me joy to do it. I don't really, even though, like, hey, it's nice when people do nice things and when people make donations to our foundation, like, all that stuff. Oh, my gosh. And then people sow into our ministry and we people, like, that means a lot. It just doesn't bring as much joy as getting to serve. Now, we use those funds to serve and to continue doing the work that God's called us to do. Uh, but honest to God, I, 
I, I mean this with all my heart, choosing to serve God full time was the absolute best decision we've ever made. And here's the thing. My prayers as a, as, as well, when I first started praying, which was probably, I don't know, but consistently I started trying to talk to God after my first divorce and, you know, getting arrested with a prostitute, going to rehab a couple times. Like I was trying, I was searching. I wasn't committed to a relationship. That's why I had three more divorce, divorces. <clears throat> well, two, because the third one was I married somebody. That, that doesn't matter. Okay. Being committed. I, I lost my train of thought. That's why. Because <laughs> I... Oh, I had one of these beautiful thoughts and or I thought it was beautiful. And then I thought about the third marriage and I married somebody I didn't know. And because I had committed to the relationship with the Lord at that time and I wanted to serve the Lord. In fact, we got married because we didn't want to have sex before we were married and we were going to travel the world and serve and all that stuff. So I wanted to be obedient. Anyway, I lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. Here's what I know. Obedience is the secret sauce. Obedience is life-giving. Obedience is freedom. It's not following a bunch of rules. I promise you. It's following principles. Those principles are there for a reason. Because they work. You want to live in the purpose in which you were created for? Be obedient. It'll save you a lifetime of misery. A lifetime of misery. It'll save you from having to deal with consequences that are out of your control. <clears throat> this is why confessing publicly and repenting publicly is so powerful. And yeah, let me tell you, the very first time that I confessed my sin publicly, it was a little uncomfortable. It got easier, and it got to the point that I don't fear anything. I gotta, you got to understand, when I first moved to Los Angeles, and I got involved in acting and doing some other stuff in production, I, I didn't set out to do that. It was, it was just, it happened. Like, there, it's a long series of events. I, <laughs> it was a long series of events. Um, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. Not because I'm afraid to talk about it. Um, it's just that talking about sin, not everybody is going to do it the way that I've chosen to do it. God told me to do it this way, where I would confess. Why? Because I was so good at keeping secrets. My double life had a double life. And when God 
came to me after that meth relapse and said, I want you to put a spotlight on your shadow world. You're going to show people the supernatural power of truth. I was scared out of my mind. But the very first time I did it, I was terrified even more. But I was free. And yeah, people turned their back on me. You're not excluded from that when you, especially when you confess publicly. But here's what you're going to find out. The people in your life are going to love you more. You're going to develop relationships that were impossible before you told told the truth. And again, not everybody is called to confess publicly. For me, this was the only way. But it got easier. And I can talk to you about obedience because I know that it's the secret to unlocking the life of your dreams. And I'm talking everything that you've dreamed about as a kid and wanted to do and all those things that you stashed away and you gave up on because, you know, you didn't go to college for it. I didn't go to college for anything I'm doing now. I went to college to hang out and party. That's why I went to college. I didn't care that I had scholarships. Care less. I was there to party, make money, and party some more. But turning away from that life, when I finally gave my life to the Lord and I finally surrendered, the thing that I was committed to was getting to know Jesus more every day. And because of that, because of that, I have gradually became become more and more and more free from a life in prison. And I'm talking a spiritual prison. But on all of my previous attempts before I gave my life to the Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these scenarios really quick. Every time I try to turn my life around and I started praying and I started asking God, I, I, I remember what I was saying now about praying. I asked God if I could serve full time. That's all I wanted to do. It's like, God, I want to make enough money where I can serve full time because it's the only thing that brings me joy. I was praying for that before I gave my life to the Lord. Praying. And now we have it. This is living the life of my dreams, getting to serve full time. And getting to do it in all the ways that God has blessed me, whether it's intellectually or whatever the knowledge I have, Holy Spirit knowledge, the getting to live the life of my dreams. And that's come from obedience. And when I'm not perfect, I'm obedient to confessing because that is the command I got directly from God is to confess. So I'm going to make mistakes. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna brain fart in the middle of talking because (laughs) I did a lot of drugs and I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, I'm sure that I've done some pretty bad damage to myself. But obedience is freedom. It's not a cage. You know what's, you know what's a cage? You know what's a prison? Is when you allow yourself to be judged. And and when you're being judged, it makes you want to hide. It makes you want to run the other way. It doesn't make you want to open your heart and say, my life is no longer my own, Lord. 
take my life. It's yours. Use me for all the purposes that you created me for. I want, you are the manufacturer of my life. I want to live how you designed me to live. There is no prison in that. That's called freedom. And when you do mess up and you do screw up and you do curse someone out or you do look at boobs too long or whatever you're into, you get the opportunity to repent from that. And listen, staring at boobs or lusting after whatever or going out and getting smashed, all those things, there's consequences for it. And looking at boobs or looking at porn or, again, whatever you're into, it may seem innocent enough and it may make you feel better temporarily from whatever you're struggling with. It may be the relief. I mean, I remember just being that the ejaculation, just like, oh, and then I'm back to my freaking misery again. They didn't take it away in the, in the drugs. Go on a four-day meth bender. Guess what? My problems didn't leave me but in obedience in obedience I'm I'm able to keep going because I'm able to repent and move on and the point of me saying all of this is to say why are we judging other people's sin more harshly than our own why All right. Thank you for watching. And listen, if you if you're sick and tired of the life that you're living, everything seems to be going wrong, you or keep falling short at the finish line, you know, metaphorically, or maybe literally, but you keep falling back into the same old pattern, the cycle, the vicious cycle. I remember the, the, the cycle I had in my last real relationship uh, before Jessica, it was the same two week cycle of destruction. It was like, it was on repeat and repeat and repeat. Sometimes you feel like you're circling the mountain. You're not getting anywhere. You're just walking in circles. If you're done with that life, it's as simple as saying, Father God, or God, or Lord, my life is no longer my own. I want what you have for me. Take my life. Take this life. It's yours. It can be as simple as that. I'm pretty sure that God knows your heart. If you want to do the traditional salvation prayer, do it. But whatever you do, mean it. Because there's a massive difference between just raising your hand and being like, kill me. Kill this dirty, fleshly sinner inside me. Kill it.
Give me life, Lord. I want what you have for me. Something powerful in that. Because here's, here's what's going to happen. Now I get to back up to the last place that I left in my dyslexic rant. When I didn't mean it, when I was like, oh, I'm going to change after getting arrested. And I thought it was a prostitute. It wasn't a prostitute or the DUIs or the, the fighting with cops or the, you know, the, the, well, it was the sixth time in jail that I actually gave my life to the Lord. But the fifth time, domestic violence. Oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to do the work. And I, I got to tell you, because my heart wasn't in it, every time someone said, you're going to be a piece of just like your dad, you're going to be, you're always going to be a junkie. You're always going to be an adulterer. You're always going to be abuser. You know what happened? I went right back to doing all the evil stuff I was doing because my heart was not committed so you can take your raise your hand salvation, and if you can mean that in your heart, then God bless you. But if you're truly sick and tired of the life that you're living and you know that there's more for you, in your heart, I don't know why I just squeezed my chest, in your heart, in your heart, surrender. God's plan for you. I, I Listen, I was a wild man, a wild man, and I couldn't get enough of the drugs and the sex and the devastation and the destruction. I didn't care. It was just like a wild, methed out, crazy person. Like a wild animal, the way I acted. A wild animal on meth and on cocaine. Running around, you think your dog, dog humping the cushions and all that stuff is weird. Oof. Anyway. you're done with that life you're done just surrender what God has for you is better than anything you can dream of and when I said those dreams and visions like God gives them to you to show you what's possible when you're seeing the visions of a better life it's better than that all of the prayers that I've prayed are being answered or have been answered, have been answered and are being answered as we speak. Every time it's exceeded everything I expected. And my life is way more wild and crazy now because the Holy Spirit's like that. He's not going to make you bored. But the life he has for you is better, I promise you. I bet my life on it. And the only proof I have of that is that I don't work, serve full time. And that's not to brag. It's just to say that I'm all in committed like no crap when it comes to the Lord's business. And I assure you, the life he has for you is way more extraordinary than you're imagining yourself. Thank you for watching.